Thank you so much for joining us for today's podcast. We'll get started in just a moment. If this is your first time here, please consider subscribing so that you may stay up to date with the latest podcast. And if our podcast brings value to your life, please consider sharing it with family and friends. Thanks for listening. And now here's today's podcast. Thanks for joining us for the Covenant Living Broadcast with Pastor John Butler of Covenant Life Church, located at 130 Atlantic Avenue in Bremen, Georgia. I don't know why God does this. The last couple of times I spoke, it's always been a question. Uh, so today I have another question for you. And the title of today's message is, what are you worth? What are you worth? I'm sure that as you kind of think through that question, it goes to one of two things. One is, is monetary, right? So what am I worth? Well, I guess I'm worth about 200 bucks, right? Because I, I have a car that is just barely got me here. And so I guess I'm worth about a couple hundred bucks. Or, or, or it went to, man, I ain't nothing. It went to your self-worth, right? So it, it, it kind of lends, that question kind of lends. And, and, and as I was thinking about this question, you know how, how when you meet somebody for the first time, Usually one of the first one or two questions that come, that come up in that, in that introduction is, what do you do, right? We tend to, we tend to ask people, what do you do? And, and, if, and this isn't a psychology class, but have you ever wondered why we ask that question, what do you do? Have you ever thought about that question and why in the world we even ask that question? We, we say a lot of times that we're trying to, to get to know somebody. We, 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 we say we're trying to connect with somebody. But that question, what do you do, it's not a connecting question. It's not a connecting question. It's actually a comparison and a contrast question. When, when, you, when you say, what do you do, you're, you're really not looking to connect. You're really not looking to get to know someone. What you're trying to do is place a value on them. And then with that value, kind of put them on your, your scale of influence of that value to you by just that simple question of what do you do? And we do it all the time. And, I, and, I, and I've wondered why, why we seem to ask that question, because we ask it while we're supposedly getting to know somebody, and that question doesn't help us at all. And as I got to thinking about this, I begin to think about the society that we live in. And the society in which we live in puts a heavy value on what you do. This society is set up, you, you have influence or you have popularity or you have notoriety based on what you do. This society is wrapped up in us Adding value or what the society that we live in determines is adding value to that society. And based on what you do, it gives you a certain amount of value and then it gets placed in whatever that society deems is appropriate for you because of that value. And, and I got to thinking about some examples of that. And, and I got to thinking, you know, what in my brain sitting there going, okay, so if I were to meet somebody for the first time and, and I say, what do you do? And they tell me I'm a cook at a local high school, at the local high school. That's what I do. 
So depending on if I like people who cook, and clearly I do, right, I enjoy food. So depending on if I like people who cook, if I like the local high school, and then my past experience on cafeteria workers, I begin to place a value on them, right? I begin to assess a value of importance in my life based on what they do. And then I set them up and I put them in what I feel like will help me process them in my life, right? And I set that value. And then I got to thinking about, you know, I, I, I'm an, I, was, I was gonna say I'm an athlete, clearly I'm not. I like sports, right? I like to enjoy watching sports. And what if I were to ever meet a pro sport athlete, right? And I say, hey man, who are you? Or, and I should know, but I don't. But who are you and what do you do? And, and they tell me I'm a pro athlete. I get paid to play a sport. Depending on what you feel about people getting paid to play a sport and how much they get paid to play the sport, how you feel about the sport that they play, the position they play, and even how good they are at it, you assess them a value to your life. That's who we are as a society. We are, this society is so wrapped up in what we do and the value that is placed on, the, on what we do. We're obsessed with that. And I'll give you an example from my personal life. I was really young, and I'm not going to go into my testimony except to, just to tell you this. I was really young um, in preteen years, and suicide was a real option for me. There was a lot of stuff that I had been going through, and, and suicide became a real option for me. It was planned. It was ready to go. And, and I get uh, to the bus stop and get on the bus, and the bus driver usually greets us with, hey, Mr. Robbie, or hey, Miss whatever, 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 and they call you by name. This morning, or this morning, that morning when I got on the bus, she didn't say, good morning, Mr. Robbie. She said, good morning, handsome. And that word just began to break something on the inside of me. She has no idea to this point that she saved my life. I, was, I would not be in here today in large part to that bus driver who probably didn't know God. I have no idea if she was a Christian or not, but God used her to speak a word that changed my life. Now, the problem with that is I don't even know her name. I don't know who her name is. I, I could not. I hope one day she comes across this video and she knows what she did. But I have no way of knowing who she is. I, I just can't remember who she was. But I can tell you the entire roster of the Miami Dolphins football team. Isn't that crazy? The lady who saved my life, I don't know her name. But because somebody plays a sport that I enjoy on a team that I enjoy and they do it well, I know their name, and they have influence in my life. That's the society that we live in. We place value on what you do. And I don't know, you know, I don't know how many of you guys know, but our, our pastor also drives a bus for a local school system. Pastor John and Valerie have given up their lives to spread the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The most important thing that we could ever do on this earth, and they have given up their lives to do that. They have, they have worked tirelessly to get us into the community to serve this community. 
And Pastor John and Valerie have worked their tails off this year to get a facility ready for, to, to have a place for women to come to that have, been, that have been rescued out of a horrible situation and a place that's safe, a place that's secure, a place that they can find love and find hope and find courage, a place that they can change and become who God has called them to be before they get reintroduced into society. They have worked for that, and that is who they are. But the kids that get on the bus only know him as a bus driver. Because the value that those kids place on a bus driver isn't about getting to know him. He just serves a function in their life. So they value him in a certain level. But what if they knew him? And then, and then my mind got to, uh, I, I'm a, a chronic overthinker. And so my mind got to thinking, well, not about the kids, but what about the parents? My daughter never was at a school that she, drove, that she, she rode a bus. But there are, there are parents all over this country that put their kids at the end of their driveway and they get on a bus and the parents don't even know who that bus driver is. They just trust the school system that that's a good guy or a good girl that's driving that, that, that bus, putting their precious little children in the hands of Pastor John, right? They don't know. I mean, they don't know Pastor John because the value of him is just a bus driver. I don't have to know who he is. I just trust that he's good because he's hired. What if he was an actual predator, how does the school system know what a predator is and isn't until they reveal themselves? How do they know? They don't know. And we put our children on there because we value the bus driver at a certain level, and so they're not worth getting to know. And that's crazy to me, that that is our society that we live in. They value what you do. And and we see this all through history. I mean, just go, just go look uh, through, through, through the, the historical times and, and read back if, if you like history. And if you don't, just, just kind of read through and see what's happened. And even if you just want to read the Bible, look at the Old Testament and, 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 and watch and see this, this society has existed for a very long time. Even back in the Old Testament, this society existed, and it still just kind of keeps existing today. And, and, and this society is wrapped up in, in fame, and it's wrapped up in, in notoriety, and, it, and it's wrapped up in, in, in how much money you make. And that gives you influence, and that gives you a voice, and that gives you all this stuff. But can I tell you, every famous person is not important. They're not important. But we put them on a, on a level and we place them in a value system because that's what our society does. But I think if you read the Old Testament, you see God was trying to change that through the Old Testament. And it would work in some instances. And all along it was trying to, trying to change this and it just really wasn't clicking. But then he sent Jesus. But then he sent Jesus. All, uh, all of a sudden, along here comes this man named Jesus. And, 
And Jesus, we now know, is a lot of things to us, right? He's our Savior. He's our healer. He's our deliverer. I mean, we say it flippantly, and nobody gets excited when we talk about, but if it was not for Jesus, I mean, seriously, if it was not for Jesus, Jesus is everything to us. Just like Bree just sang, he's everything to us. And, and, and we tend to think about the things that we, that we kind of need in our life. We need a healer. We need a deliverer. We need salvation. And we, so we think of Jesus being in that way. And I think that God did send Jesus to do all of that stuff, 100%. But he also came to show us the way. To show us the way. The way of what? See, there's this whole another society that existed long before this society was ever to be. And, and once this society that we live in goes away, that society will be forever. That society that existed whoo, long before, long before this one existed has a completely different set of values, a different value system in that society than what we have now. And I think that, that, that part of why Jesus came was to introduce into this society the value systems of that society, of what it was to, what is the value system there? And we, we, we need it here. And, and, and so Jesus came and, and we begin to see this for the first time, this first introduction in the, in, the, in the day that Jesus got baptized. Now, up until this point, Jesus hasn't done all the miracles that we know. He hasn't fed the 5,000. He hasn't turned water into wine. He hasn't done none of this stuff, right? So up until this point, Jesus, the only value that Jesus has added to his society that he lives in is that he may know some carpentry. I don't know. Uh, y'all may know better than I do, but he, he, I know he was a son of a carpenter. He may know some carpentry, and that we, we do read the story where he was, was caught one time in the, in, the, uh, in the temple speaking to Pharisees and teaching them something, right? So we know that he was able to do some of that, but to, to, to add value into the society that values what you do, up until that point, he hasn't done much of anything, right, that would add value to that society, so, so here comes along Jesus. He goes to the water. There's John the Baptist. And, and John the Baptist begins to baptize Jesus. And when Jesus comes up out of the water, uh, for the, one of the first times that I remember, God audibly speaking so that we as humans could hear him talking in the New Testament. When Jesus come up out of the water, God said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. And with those words, God began to introduce the value system of that society into our society. Because God didn't come along and say, here's my Savior, who I am well pleased. He didn't come along and say, hey guys, here's your healer, in whom I am well pleased. Here's your deliverer, in whom I am well pleased. Here's your hope, here's your joy, here's your strength, here's your courage, in whom I am well pleased. He didn't say any of that. He said, this is my son, in whom I am well pleased. The value system 
of that society that existed long before the one we did and will exist long before or after this one goes away has a completely different value system. We value what you do. His value system is in who you are, is in who you are. He valued Jesus because of who he was, not for anything that he had done up until that point. And we see that, and we see him introducing that value system. Now, I want to read to you the foundational scripture of where this came from. But, but how many of y'all would agree that the Bible is truth, right? Amen. It's true today. It was true yesterday. It was true in March of 2020 when all the madness began to happen. It was true uh, 10 years ago. It was true 100 years ago. And not only was it true and is it true, but it's always going to be true, right? Tomorrow, the next day, 100 years from now, when I'm long and gone, the Bible is always going to be true. We establish, I mean, 100% is truth. But the Bible is also seasonal. The Bible is also seasonal. And what I mean by that is you could read something over and over and over and over again. And then all of a sudden, one day, it just kind of illuminates itself to you. You're going through a struggle. It's something you've read a million times. All of a sudden, something will jump out at the page at you. It becomes a seasonal word that's truth. And it speaks to your life. And that's what happened when I begin to read the scripture that we're about to read. Is I have read this scripture a hundred times. I have, I have seen video presentations on YouTube about this event. Even VeggieTales made a VeggieTale about this event. We've heard it. We've read it. We've taught it in kids' church and in student ministry, this event. But I did not see what I saw last week when I read it for the next time. And let's look at this. It's Mark chapter 3, and it's verses 13 through 19. It says this, afterward, Jesus went up on a mountain and called out the ones he wanted to go with him, and they came to him. Then he appointed 12 of them and called them his disciples. They were to accompany him, and he would send them out to preach. And these are the 12 he chose, Simon, who he named Peter, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, but Jesus nicknamed the sons of thunder. And I want to tell you, in that holy moment, when I'm reading the holy word and in front of a holy God, in this beautiful, beautiful moment, and I ran across that Jesus nicknamed them the sons of thunder. Can I tell you something? How many of you guys would love to be nicknamed by Jesus? I mean, we get a lot of nicknames in our life, don't we? Some good, some bad. My wife has a few for me that I'm not sharing. So we get nicknames, but what if Jesus gave you a nickname? And so I was reading this, and in that holy moment, in that beautiful moment, it's just me and God, and I'm reading this word, and he's showing me stuff. The very first thing that ran through my mind when I saw that he had nicknamed them, the Sons of Thunders, was a song. By Imagine Dragons, Thunder, 
feel the thunder, doom, 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 lightning and the thunder. How many of y'all know that song I'm talking about? That song by Imagine Dragons, and I got so tickled in that holy, precious moment. I got so tickled, and then all of a sudden, my mind flashed to Thor, the superhero Thor, because if anybody should be called a son of thunder, it should be Thor, right? The long blonde hair, the nicely trimmed beard, the chiseled muscles and carries that hammer. I mean, if anybody is a son. Now, I don't know what James and John looks like, okay? But I could just imagine they're tall. They got that long, flowing, beautiful hair. They got that beard just nice and they're they're ripped. They're jacked up. I mean, because like they wouldn't call me a son of thunder, right? I mean, so, so you know they're big, they're strong. I, I don't know. But that was the, anyway, that was what ran through my mind. I don't know what, what you do when you're alone with God, but that ran through my mind when I saw that he nicknamed them sons of thunder. So there was James and John. There was Andrew. There's Philip. There's Bartholomew. There's Matthew. There's uh, Thomas. There's James, the son of somebody. Y'all, y'all are welcome to mispronounce that however you want. Um, there's Thaddeus, there's Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who later betrayed him. And if you would, please put back up verse 13. When I ran across this scripture, so there was, a, there was something that was happening that, that was kind of going on, and there was this large crowd, because the Bible says afterward, right? So after this event was kind of going on. Afterwards, Jesus went up on a mountain. And this is what leapt, left, leaped off at me, is that he called out the ones what? What does it say? He called out the ones what? That he wanted. There's this whole group of people, lots of people. And after this event, Jesus goes up on a mountain and he And I don't know how he picked and chooses or whatever, but he called to him the ones that he wanted. And they came to him. And after they came to him out of that group, he chose the 12 that he would appoint as his apostles to begin to spread the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But what leaped out at me was that he called the ones he wanted. If we could ever understand and grasp the value system of that society that that we don't know very much about, that it is completely different than the value systems of our society. Our society values what you do. That society values who you are. And Jesus, out of all the people, called to himself the ones he wanted the ones he wanted, and he did the same thing for you and for me. Do you realize that God does have choices and he chose you anyway? That God has options, but about all the billions of people and options that he's had over the thousands of years that this planet existed, he chose you. He wanted you. And he chose you. We've got to begin to understand the value system of that place is not about what you do, but it's about who you are. 
we, 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 get, we get to the point where we try to take the value systems of this world and filter them into that world. Because this one we understand. That one we don't really understand so much. But can I tell you, there's no way to take this value system and put it into that world, that society, because it's apples and oranges. It's nowhere near the same. That one existed long before this one, and it's going to exist when this one goes away. Can I tell you, this value system will die one day. This world is going to go away. This church that we're in is going to disappear. These chairs that we're sitting in are going to go away. But we hold such a value and such a, a, an importance to the value systems of this world that is going to go away and is going to die. We've got to figure out what that value system is and start living it here in this society. <coughs> Excuse me. We got to start understanding that. And, and one of the things are, are really the most important word that God began to speak into me as, as we were kind of, as I was kind of prepping this out. And I don't know if it's for somebody in this room, somebody watching online, or somebody that's going to watch a year from now. I don't know. But the word that God just kept echoing over and over and over in my ear is that you are not just nothing. You are not just nothing. You are something. You are somebody. This, we, we, we tend to value ourselves on this value system of the society we live in. And we say, man, I don't do this or I do do this. And we tend to place a value on ourselves. What we've got to understand, that society is completely different. It doesn't value so much what you do. It values who you are. And you are a child of God. You are a holy people. You are worth him sending his only begotten son to purchase. Out of all the options, he chose you. I want to leave you as we close with this illustration. So let's for a moment pretend and you could do this better with students and, and children. They have a great imagination. But let's pretend that this is the presence of the Lord. And, and we're back here, and, and we finally get saved, right? Jesus calls the ones he wanted, calls to us. And, and we accept that call. We hear that call. We're like, yes. And we start, we begin the process of walking toward the presence of our Father. And, and we're excited, and then there's a lot of energy, and there's a lot of hope, and there's a lot of courage. We're beginning to walk. And on our journey, the enemy comes along, and he begins to speak to us. And he, he says things like, don't you know that you are addicted to pornography? Oh, yeah, that's right. I am addicted to pornography. I just watched it, as a matter of fact. Well, well what are you doing approaching the presence of God, knowing what you did. You're right. You're right. I don't know what I'm doing. Don't you know that you are a liar? Yeah, you're right. I remember lying when I was a kid. As a matter of fact, I even lied to my boss about taking uh, time because I, I said I was sick, and I really wasn't sick, and I, I know, and that's what I did. What are, you, what are you doing approaching the throne room of God when you know that you've lied, 
I don't know. Don't you know that you've stolen? Oh, yeah, that's right. I, I, I remember stealing things as a kid. I remember stealing time. I remember stealing money. I remember I did all of that. I remember that I did all of that. Don't, don't you know that, that you cheated on your wife? Oh, man, that's right. I thought we were past that. You're right. I did do that. I did do that. What are you thinking trying to approach God knowing what you did? And a lot of times we, uh, we, we try to approach the throne room of God with the value systems of the society that we live in. And that society says we're not good enough because of what we've done. We're not good enough because of what we're doing. We're not good enough because of what we're going to do. And I don't know if you're in this room right here, right now, or if you're watching online, but I think this is a breakthrough moment for you. Because, yes, we, can, we, we have done those things, and, and we are going to mess up, and we are going to do all of that. But the value systems of this society that we live in are not the value systems of the society of where we're going. That value system is different. And God comes along and reminds us, yes, you did you did do that. You did, you did lie, but I have forgiven you. Yes, you did. You did. You committed adultery, but I have forgiven you. Yes, you did. You, you have stolen stuff, but I have forgiven you. Do you not realize who you are? It's not about what you've done, so come to me. It's not about what you've done in the past. It's not about what you're doing now. It's not about what you're going to do. You're my son. You're my daughter. You come to my presence, not for what you do, but for who you are. And we've got to realize that it has nothing to do with the society that we live in. The value systems of this world are not those. Coming to God is not about what you do, what you've done, or what you're going to do, because we are all going to make mistakes. The coming into his presence, the being with him is about who you are. And you are a holy people. And you're a royal priesthood. You've been taken out of the, the muck and the mire and the clay, and you've been set up on a hill. You're a light in the darkness. Do you not know who you are in that system, in that society? We have got to start being in this society who we are in that society. It's the only way to truly change and to disciple. We've got to be those people. Before we move on, can we pray real quick? Father, today I thank you and I praise you. You don't care. You don't, you don't, you don't look at what we've done. with this, this, The value system this world doesn't matter to you. You're not held by that. You're not bound by that. You don't look at the things that we do. You don't look at the things we've done. You don't care about what, we, what we're going to do. Yes, we've got to change. Yes, we've got to be better. Yes, there's certain things that's, that's going to change when we get to know God. But God, none of that matters to you when it comes to your value of who we are. We're your sons. We're your daughters. We're your holy nation. We're your royal priesthood. 
We, we are somebody because you say we're somebody. It doesn't matter what we think. It doesn't matter what the world says. It doesn't matter the circumstances and the situations that surround our life. None of that matters because the value of who we are is not determined by the value systems of this society. And so, God, today I'm asking you to change us. I'm asking you to change us, God. Father, may we, may we begin to, to understand and to know that society. May we begin to hold true to the values of that society. And may we be your agents of change in this society. Father, where this society values what you do, may we truly start connecting with people and finding out who they are in you. Father, I thank you and I praise you for your word. I thank you and I praise you for this moment. And Father, today I thank you and I praise you for Pastor John and Valerie. Thank you for the lives that they live. I thank you that their hearts are towards you. And God, I just ask that you bless them. God, I ask that you watch over them, that you guard them, that you protect them. Father, I pray that you honor them, you shine your face upon them. Father, give them favor wherever they go. God, they're doing your work. They're about your business. Their hearts and their motives are pure. They're clean before you. So, God, I just ask that you bless. Continue to use them. Continue to grow them. Continue to push them. And I thank you for them, God. We honor you. We love you today. Amen. We pray that you have been blessed and inspired by today's Covenant Living broadcast. To find out more information about our ministry, just visit our website at www.covenantlifewestga.org. You can find this video there on our homepage. Just click the YouTube button and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. And give us a call at 770-537-3747. That's 770-537-3747. At Covenant Life, our mission is to go and make disciples by being real, relational, and reaching. Be sure to join us next week for more Covenant Living with Pastor John Butler.